Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Bree, and I am joined by my girl gang here that I'm just I'm just so happy you ladies have joined me. So first, I have my friend Nadia is here. Nadia, say hello, please. Hello. <laughs> and then Angela is here. Hello. And then my girl Dory is here. Hello, Dory. Hello. And you three joined me for this month's books club. So if you're new to the podcast, every month we pick a books club. We don't read the same book. We just come up with an idea. Everybody picks their own book that they want to read that fits into that idea. And then we come together and talk about it. And for this month, we focused on Harlequin's Kamani line. So Angela, you have read Kamani before, correct? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Dory, was this your first Kamani or no? This was my first. Okay, that's always exciting. And Nadia, was this your first? This was my first, yes. Oh my God. Okay, this is going to be so fun. So some of my notes before I get into the questions, because I have a lot I want to talk to y'all about. So just for, I always like to do some background. So Harlequin purchased uh, Arabesque, it's called Sepia, I believe. Is that how you say it? S-E-P-I-A? Is it Sepia or Sepia? Yeah, I think it's Sepia. Okay. Sepia and New Spirit. They purchased those from BET back in 2005. And this purchase resulted in Harlequin's Kamani Press imprint. So this imprint featured romance novels that were primarily written by and centered around African-American protagonists. So then in 2006, they they launched the, the launched the imprint. So there was Kamani Arabesque. These novels centered around passion, adventure, intrigue. Kamani True, which I've actually heard a lot about. I've never personally seen one in person. I'd love to get my hands on copies. Uh, but these were actually targeted to, to Black teenagers. And I'm like, if these would have just been a couple of years earlier, I would have probably devoured these because I don't really feel like I read any books geared towards teens when I was an actual teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Kamani Romance, which was the largest out of the the three Im- books lines in the imprint. Um, Kamani Romance featured African-American and multicultural heroes and heroines. They released four titles every month. Um, and so when it released... It was kind of a divisive decision, and this kind of leads into one of my first questions I want to ask you all. So it was a divisive decision to create a line dedicated to Black romance. Most of the romance novels are, you know, in the world of category, are divided into lines by genre. So if you want romantic suspense, there's romantic suspense, right? If you want medical, there's medical. If you want historical, there's Harlequin historical. Um, For Kamani... The only common feature that really linked all the books together was the black female protagonist. Um, Some readers and authors viewed this as a positive change, while some people took issue with the books being separated. Um, So when we think of it in terms of that, what, what what are our thoughts as like for black women, um, what kind of what side of the fence do you feel like you lean towards most? Like I I personally I think I get both sides. Like on one hand I'm like why do we have to be separated but also like having a line that celebrates our romance feels kind of special. So what do y'all think? Uh Nadia, go first since this was your first. Um I I think that it is there's something to be said when you have books that are sort of tailor made for you. Because if you look just at romance as a whole, we don't really see um, females of color at, at the helm of the of the story. And so it's it's something great and beautiful that Kamadi had had created this line, so to speak, of specific stories that were that were made for us, made for okay. us by us and the covers are beautiful. It's just like, it's literal, like visual overload. Like I was looking at so many of the covers just thinking, oh my gosh, what do I pick up first? Um, so I think it's something to be said that it's specifically tailored and catered for us. Yeah. What did you think, Dory? I see both sides as well. Um, I like that there is a line where you know 
what you're getting and you know that you're if you're a black woman you're going to see yourself represented i love that you know it it makes the barrier to entry i think to romance into category a lot lower you know if you want to recommend books to someone or things like that i think that it's great um my concern is always I hope that I would hope that with a line like this existing, that it wasn't used as an excuse to not diversify the other lines as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, we have Kamani, so all of the black protagonists are going to go there. We're not going to diversify, like you mentioned, romantic suspense or medical or historical. And I think that's where things can get a little bit dicey because those lines should be diversified as well you know what i'm saying so i think a lot of times when you have a specific line it's kind of like well that's where our black stories go and that's it and i think that that can be i don't necessarily like that i think it can be really problematic and concerning yeah because when this when they closed this this line they also closed um super romance they closed nocturne and a couple of others i'm blanking on the other ones that they closed um i'll try to make sure that i leave them in the show notes i want to say american romance but that may have closed a long time before this but anyway like i think of like nocturne for example which was their paranormal line i had no idea there were black authors that wrote for that line i know for sure of one and I just stumbled upon her probably like four months ago so it does feel like you know I am new to this line as well like I I discovered it really during COVID and I was just buying them up off of eBay but so from someone that has like that's kind of new to it still it does look like if you were a black author writing two black characters you were going to be in this line. Like your books weren't necessarily going to be considered for presents or considered for romance. So it's it's interesting. I really, I, I really agree with that, Dory. Angela, what do you think? Um, I I have read um Kamani forever. So of course, you know, I was around when, you know, when it closed, which was it was kind of heartbreaking because it was like, man, these are amazing stories by our amazing authors. Um, and to be able to see that because I have been a avid reader forever. I mean, since like elementary school days or what have you. So to be able to see a line that shared our stories um, was just amazing um, to, to have. But I do, um, I do like the fact that the stories were able to be told um, from our perspective um, and that it was a platform um, for for these authors because a lot of times, sometimes when you think about uh, romance or what have you, um, some authors or some readers didn't even know about these individuals. So to find the Kamani line, uh, it created that opportunity and it did open doors um, for some of these amazing authors. Um, I know a lot of them, I discovered them through the Kamani line and of course, when they uh, went on to write for other lines or, uh, you know, other publishing companies and stuff like that, I followed them because I was familiar with their work and familiar with their writing style and things of that nature, too. Um, but I'm always uh, wanting to make sure that that diversity is there. Um, so that was um, I think someone had kind of said it earlier. That is something that kind of, you know, you kind of think about to say, OK, are they putting all of the African-American authors that have have uh, these characters um, or what have you in this particular line. Um, but I was glad to see that uh, when it closed, that some of them were able to uh, go into other lines. So I, I mentioned to you all, like I found this blog post by uh, author Cherish Hodges and it's brilliant. So she starts it off with, it came in an email, which I have heard from a couple of the prior Kamani authors that that's how they were notified that the line was closing. And she shows two old Harlequin Desire covers. Like this is, I guess, the attempt at diversity that pretty much failed. So she showed two titles by Sarah Anderson, um, his illegit illegitimate heir, which is an interracial couple on the cover. Um, 
And it says that Sarah Anderson is not an author of color for a long time. All black characters could only be in Kamani books. And then this happened. And this is like the cover is a black man with a white pregnant female. And then her next book is a white man holding a little cute black baby that's asleep on his chest. And she says in this story, the black woman heroine doesn't think she's good enough for the white hero. And there is the black baby they find in the trash can. Okay. That is cultural diversity at its best. Uh huh. <laughs> Very sarcastic. Wow. Um, so, wow. so she's like, so so why are you mad? She's like, I'm glad you asked. Let me explain. I love this point. So mainstream reviewers acted as if two black people falling in love, have money and sex was something they could not relate to. But damn it, a fucking vampire falling in love with a blonde virgin who could read minds was the most romantic thing in the universe. Newsflash. Vampires are not real. Black people exist. <laughs> I love that. Right. How do you think these little black people got here? Their mothers and fathers fell in love and had sex. It happens every day. Um, her second point was bookstores put black romance in a separate section. Like that was cool. Um, totally, totally see that. Um, I remember before moving here, I lived in tech, I lived in Georgia and we had a books a million and there was an actual like, uh, African-American section. And that's where they just put everything. I wasn't reading romance at the time. So it's like kind of fine to me because the books that I was looking for were over there. But I was like, I wonder if I was to go to one of those bookstores now, would I find Beverly Jenkins and Brenda Jackson there? Or would they actually be in their romance section where their books should be kind of thing? Mm -hmm. um, and then number three is one that I wholeheartedly believe in across the board. And I feel like as a category reader, I feel like some of my favorite lines have um, been victim to this. Many publishers don't try to market ethnic romance at all. And I, a lot of what I have like read doing like reading blog posts and articles is that a lot of the authors just did not feel like they were marketing these books. So like Angela, as someone who was reading the books, do you remember how you knew something new was coming out was it from following the authors was it were you able to go into the bookstore and just find them um it was mainly for um following the authors um knowing when they had books coming out some of them i received like arc copies from them directly um attending um book events i found out about them um as well um of course you know when i first started reading it you know social media wasn't as uh, what it is now <laughs> um, or what have you. But yeah, it was more of following the authors, knowing those authors. And then those authors also um, having a community and introducing you in to other authors who also wrote for the line. Um, it's kind of how I found out about the whole Kamani line. Now, uh, Walmart at the time uh, when it was, when Kamani did exist, um, certain Walmarts, I, I can say the ones in my area, uh, they often had, you know, where they have like all the Harlequin books or what have you, they would have like the, the latest release of the Kamani books at my particular Walmart. But I can't say that for, you know, Walmarts all over the world. But in my my city, in my area, the Walmarts that I went to, they did have the Kamani line um, there. Yeah. So what are y'all's thoughts? Okay, Dory, I'm going to start with you. For obviously, as Black women, we're like, you see these and you get excited, right? But like, what do you think it is for non-Black readers? Like, why... What is it about our romance that it just, it, you're, you're, you'd be easy. It's, it's easier to like, oh, this is a vampire shifter romance. I'm going to pick this up. But this black romance isn't, I'm not going to be able to relate to that. What do you think it is? Girl, I wish I knew. I really, <laughs> I really wish I knew, you know, I think that I'm glad you shared that blog post. Cause it kind of highlights, um, some of like it was nice to hear an author's perspective on that situation it was from an author right she yes. an author wrote the blog yeah it was nice to get their perspective because i think you never really know what's going on behind the scenes and it's fascinating to hear you know years later like oh my goodness like these books weren't getting the attention they deserved because I was looking through and there are so many great stories and I feel like part of the problem 
is people not knowing that they exist. And so if you are a black woman and you want these black romance stories, you're kind of, you've got your ear out, you know, like you're looking for those types of stories. But if you're not, maybe it's not on your radar. And then if the books also aren't being marketed appropriately, then maybe you don't even know about them. So I think part of it is visibility and part of it. And I think that um, from that blog post, we see that the attention paid to publicity and marketing was not the same as maybe other lines. Mm -hmm. And so people might not have even known about these books, you know, and then, but I really wish I knew, like, I really don't. It's very, it's frustrating to me, you know, that people don't when people don't read or watch tv movies whatever diversely i don't it frustrates me and i wish that i knew like the secret code to get people to try new things maybe it doesn't reflect their life but they still can find stories that they love i mean we've been doing it forever you know yeah so um it's definitely kind of a sticking point for me and it frustrates me and i wish i had the answer i really do what do you think, Nadia? Um, I, I agree. Um, I, I think that it's, you know, we we don't live in a just black and white world. We live in a world where we have all types of people, all types of ethnicities and shades of color and, and everything. So why wouldn't we want to see that depicted in a book or a television show or a movie that we're watching? I think that it is it's sort of, if I could say, quite ignorant to not consider that there are other cultures that want to be seen on the page. You know, as, as an author, when you're sitting down writing your book, what kind of world are you seeing? Are you only seeing a world of, of white? Or are you seeing a world of different, uh, of, of diversity? Because when you walk outside your front door, you see all types of people, right? So, so why wouldn't you, you want to see that in, in a book? Um, I remember reading an article um, that Na- Naima Simone had, had written, and she said she had to actually change one of her book covers because in, in one of her, uh, I think it was a football series. And on the cover, on the first cover, she had a Black football character, um, and that did not do well. Her publishers were kind of just like, yeah, that's not going to sell. And so she literally had to change the cover because she was being told that won't sell. But she, she was saying, you know, the, but my characters are, are Black. They said, that doesn't matter what you see on the cover. People are going to judge what they see on the cover and they don't want to see a Black male on the cover. That hurts. It hurts because you think, okay, but that's someone's husband. That's someone's brother. That's someone's father. Like, don't you want to see that? Don't you want to see that? So it, yeah. it, it is, I, I echo, it, it is very frustrating. And if you don't know that it's out there and you're looking for it, then why not let that be known? Hey, this is what's available. If this specifically is what you're looking for. Right. I hate the like, that's not going to sell. It's, mm-hmm. it, we're not going to be able to buy what you don't put out. So right. that that's always interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Angela? I, for me, and and the the first thing that comes to mind when uh, Dory and Nadia was speaking is wow. I mean, three letters. Wow, um, it's sad. Uh, it's disheartening um, to know that we have um, um, African American authors or diverse authors or BIPOC authors um, who have such amazing stories, but sometimes on the marketing side of it, uh, you have people that still make, you know, comments like that, like they can't relate to that or they can't see that. Um, And I feel like it's as as an African American um, influencer and book reader and book lover or what have you, uh, I feel like we have to work extra hard to make sure that those stories are out there, that the diverse stories are getting the attention uh, that they need. Um, I am an eclectic reader, and I read, um, you know, I read diverse authors and stuff. I, I read, you know, Caucasian authors and stuff like that. But one thing that I have found is that, and you guys may can relate to this, is that. A lot of times it's not the uh, BIPOC authors that are not trying because a lot of times we 
read their stuff. We, you know, if, if that makes sense, like we'll read their stuff. But then when the tables are turned, it's like, they're like, oh, well, I can't relate to theirs. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. I, I wish that eventually we will get to a place where everybody feels that uh, there is room at the table, uh, mm-hmm. no matter what your, um, uh, you know, race is or what have you, that a good story is a good story, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, but just thinking about what Nadia said and Dory said, yeah, it, the word wow just still comes to mind that in 2023, we are still uh, fighting that battle to be heard and to be seen. Does that yeah. make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the things from, uh, author Cherish Hodges's blog post again she said romance is romance she said you know why I didn't read romance for years because I got tired of stretching my imagination to turn white folks into black folks if I had to do all of that to enjoy a story then I might as well write my own so I did and at the time Mm. of this this blog post I think she'd written um, three Kamani romances so um, when do you all like looking back on your reading experience do you remember the first time you read a book and realize you saw yourself or the first time you read a book and you're like, I haven't seen myself like either or like whatever comes to mind. Um, uh, Nadia, let's start with you. Um, gosh, I, I think I, I read so many, uh, non BIPOC authors for years because I didn't see any available other than, um, maybe like the the adult like Beverly Jenkins books or you know that I was that my mom was just like yeah you're too young to read those yeah. um so I didn't really you know see myself on the page until I was an adult yeah and um, that's it I mean it's sad to say you know I'm 36 years old and that's literally maybe 10 years ago 10 15 years ago mm-hmm. and so I didn't really see myself. So once again, I would have to imagine, hey, this character looks like me or hey, this, you know, this character looks like my siblings or my, you know, I would have to imagine it because I didn't see it. And then once I did see it, um, it actually, it was because of bookstagram and social media where I would come across these indie authors and that I didn't even know existed until social media because I didn't see it. I didn't see them on the the Target bookshelf or the Walmart bookshelf or the Barnes and Noble bookshelf, you know. Um, and I literally had to look everything up online because they were not readily available in retail. And it was it was both um, exciting and yet sad that I'm just like, okay, I'm in my twenties and I'm just now discovering all of these amazing um BIPOC authors and these 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 characters of color that look like me and look like my family it it was it was it was a weird experience really weird experience yeah I'm one of those readers that when I read I am the main character right Mm -hmm. and so the first time it hit me was when I started really well yeah, when I started really reading romance, because I, I did go through a big phase of uh, I read a lot of urban fiction, mm-hmm. like by this time, like I, I think it kind of gr- depends on where you grow up to. Like I, as a kid, lived in small town, Missouri, Midwest, United States. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't seeing we had one bookstore and I don't remember any black books. Right. But then I moved to Memphis in high school and like there's just there's like an entire like urban fiction bookstore in the mall. And I remember feeling like I was friends with the main character then. But then as I got older and when I started reading romance, I was like, oh, I am the main character. Mm -hmm. And it was when I read Alyssa Cole's An Extraordinary Union. That was the first time that it hit me that I was like, I can actually really be her. Like I can just be myself and be this main character versus like reading a Daphne du Maurier or reading a Debbie Maycomber. And it's very much a white heroine and I'm just like really having to like change up so much to make it feel like it's me. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And, and I, I agree. I remember, um, I, I came across this book called midnight by sister soldier, I think. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was like maybe 23, 24 and it was an urban fiction book. And I remember reading it and I enjoyed it, but I thought, this isn't the environment that I grew up in. I know nothing of this world. 
but mm-hmm. I love to see people who look like me on the pages. Yeah. You know, but it's not exactly what I'm used to. So I had to adjust my thinking and my sort of my mindset to, oh, is this the only thing that's available? Is this how is this how people really see us? Is is this how authors really see us? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Dory? You know, I feel really lucky because um, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, in the Cleveland area, and I went to a really diverse high school, and two of my four English teachers in those high school years were Black, and it was amazing, and so they assigned us, you know, reading plenty of black fiction um you know we read Maya Angelou and um Toni Morrison and I think that that really shaped my reading right like I kind of had it ingrained in me to look for black authors to look for authors of color to and I just and I've always been an avid reader and so I've loved reading about experiences that were different from my own um and seeing the world through different perspectives so I think I was really really lucky in that way um I started reading romance when I was an adult so like late 20s early 30s and I remember first getting into romance and thinking like, oh, I really like this. I want to read more. And so I would look at, you know, I would um, research best romance lists on different websites and stuff, different blogs. And I vividly remember looking at those best of romance lists and not seeing like any black authors ever and I was and I was always like that (laughs) seems suspicious and so I realized that like as a romance reader and this was you know years ago I think things have changed quite a bit but I think when I started like I really had to actively seek out authors of color Mm -hmm. and like they weren't being um highlighted as featured authors often and so that's always how I've read romance I've always kind of gone out of my way to find authors of color and read diversely and I think that not everyone does that and not everyone should have to you know what I'm saying like you shouldn't have to be digging to read diverse stories they should be available and marketed and featured and present and um but when I started I I vividly remember feeling like I had to dig a little bit like Kamani was around when I first started reading and I didn't even know about it yeah so I was reading the books now and I'm like I would have loved to read these when I first started reading romance I would have loved to have these stories and I remember the I would even go into the library and, you know, get a lot of physical books. And I don't remember seeing Kamani in the featured, you know, little um, romance section at my library. None of that. So, you know, I think that you a lot of times, especially previously, you really had to kind of make a concerted effort to find the stories where you saw yourself represented. What about you, Angela? Um, yes, I, I definitely agree that you had to and still have to sometimes uh, make the effort to actually uh, search out uh, these books with characters that look like you. Um, I have, as I stated earlier, I've been reading a long time. So I remember uh, when I was younger, uh, a lot of the the, the characters um, that I was reading about, they didn't look like me um, or what have you. And I remember um, in... Uh, I want to say it was in middle school, I think, when we read Sounder, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I remember in um, high school, we we read Maya Angelou's um, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. Um, And then I want to say I was in middle school when I picked up Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. So those are some books where, you know, the characters like looked like you. But as far as like romance, I was more in my adult, adult years when I found a romance um, um, novels of characters that look like me. And I, uh, I definitely will have to say, 
and give um, and give props to author Jacqueline Thomas uh, when I met her um, in person. Um, and she is amazing, by the way. <laughs> um, when I met her in person, I know she opened my eyes to a lot of African-American authors. Um, a lot of these authors were um, a part of the Kamani line um, as well. And I was like, wow, there are a lot of amazing stories out there that I can now, you know, read in addition to other stuff that I like to read um, as well, because I'm a pretty eclectic reader. Um, so yeah, it was more in my adult years when I discovered uh, that there there were uh, romance books that were being written um, by BIPOC authors um, and with characters that looked like me. Well, I think that the world of like Kindle and Kindle Unlimited has just been such a game changer. I think there's there's so many amazing black authors in that space writing black romance and celebrating rom- black romance and it's it's beautiful to see I just like I I'm still very much like I go to the bookstore right I love to just go into Barnes and Noble and I'm like I want to see more of them here you know but I also love that they're able to do their own thing they're able to write the books and tell the stories how they want to tell them and how often they want to tell them so um while it sucks that the line is gone and I think the part of like the line being gone that sucks the most as a reader is just you don't see a lot of the authors um so from duke.edu their site they did a post about it and they said although Harlequin indicated that it would welcome Kamani authors to submit their work to the other lines some evidence shows that the racial diversity of authors writing Harlequin romance novels took a steep drop after Kamani was discontinued. So just rattling off the top of my head that I can think of. So like Angela, you mentioned Jacqueline Thomas. So we do have Miss Jackie. She writes for heartwarming and love inspired suspense. We have Reese Ryan, who's, you know, been writing for desire, but desires closing. We had Nadine Gonzalez. Nadine Gonzalez wrote, Mm -hmm. um, for Kamani and desire, which again is closing. Mm -hmm. Um, Deborah Fletcher Mello wrote for like we do have some but there's still so many that I'm like where did this person go where did this person go it just kind of seems like when the line ended they stopped you know and they just kind of moved on and it's like there's so many of them that I would have loved to see writing and presents writing romantic suspense or you know love inspired heartwarming like Mm -hmm. uh it's been interesting to kind of keep up with them online and see like some of them just are doing nothing. A lot of them are doing indie, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, where did they go? If you were going to offer it to them, where are they kind of thing? So it's almost like if we did not have social media the way that it is, like yeah. these authors and its readers would really be even more disconnected. Like we would not know where would we look because right. if we were waiting on to um, a, a local library to keep it in stock or books, sh- you know, local bookstores to keep it in stock, then we would be up a creek. You know, there is a um, an independent bookstore that opened up in Pasadena this year called Octavia's Bookshelf. And so it's all diverse books that I had never read before. Some of these authors I'd never even heard of before, and I'm getting to read them for the first time as an adult. And I'm, I'm just thinking if I had this sort of store available as a teen, I would have been introduced to so many different writers, so many different writers. One thing that I kept coming across was that um, when you kind of separate it and make it its own thing, there's the idea that it's like a niche. Is that how you say niche? Is it niche or niche? <laughs> niche, right? Niche. <laughs> yeah. Niche. So when you like separate it and make it its own thing, it becomes like a niche, right? Like paranormal, black romance. And it's like black romance isn't, I don't feel like it's a niche. It's just, it's romance. This is just what the characters just so happen to look like. Uh, So I did see some conversations of like, you know, the people that are like, they should have been in all the other lines to begin with. But like, how often did they submit to those lines and were turned away? Exactly. And put over here I just I I think that it's one of those things where like there's a a lot that happened behind the scenes that obviously we'll never be privy to and now the line unfortunately is gone there's a lot of authors that aren't are no longer writing Uh, but it just makes you it really makes you think like um 
you know, I think of like Reese Ryan, I'm like, what is she going to do now? Cause desire's closing, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I know she's always been hybrid. She does write, um, indie as well. And she does have some single titles with like forever, but I still want to get category from her. So right. yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next. Um, let's get into our books. Dory, let's start with you. What did you pick? Okay. So the book I picked is playing with temptation and this is a Reese Ryan story. Because you've been in a Reese Ryan <laughs> chokehold. I know. I mean, her foot is on my neck and she doesn't <laughs> even realize it. Like, I, so the truth is, I was never really a category reader until I met Brie. Well, I'm so um, glad that I brought I know. you to the, the bright side. <laughs> you influenced me. So I was always, I thought of myself as like a contemporary reader. And I feel like I, I don't know, I almost felt like I didn't really venture out of that because it was comfortable and familiar, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, at the beginning of the year, I was finishing up grad school and coming off the holiday craziness and my attention span was zero and I was kind of in a book rut and I was like you know what maybe I'll read category they're a little bit shorter Bree's been talking about them and by this point Bree and I had become friends and so I was like you know I've always wanted to read Reese Ryan everyone says that she's wonderful and they love her and I just went crazy like mm-hmm. I would say of the books I've read this year 95% have been Reese so what a great place to start <laughs> I know well it's so funny because I was like I'm just gonna check her out I've heard that she's really good and then I just read Never everything stopped. yeah ex- <laughs> exactly so she has got me in a chokehold and I couldn't be happier about it so I chose Playing with Temptation which is a Pleasure Cove book which is a series that she has so this book is about a NFL player and he is in a little bit of trouble he a tape has been released on social media of him basically after a really bad season with his football team He is just tearing down his teammates, um, calling them out for all their mistakes. And this tape is released. And of course, it's huge drama because the team is now in disarray. No one trusts him. Everyone's mad at him. Um, And this is also a contract year for him. He's supposed to re-sign a big contract and that's now in jeopardy because of the team's morale. So his brother and agent decides that he needs a PR consultant to help shape up his image. Oh, I love this. Yes. And who is that consultant you ask? It is his ex-girlfriend and the mother of his child. Oh, snap. I didn't see second chance romance coming. Yes, this is a sports romance. This is a second chance romance. And I love it. And what I love about Category is, you know, they get right to the story. Like, there is no dilly-dallying. They get right to it. So the first chapter of the book is literally him having dinner with his um, brother and he he walks he walks in and there is his ex and he's like oh hell no oh, like, I love this it. Is yes. not, I am not doing this and he she broke up with him so he is in his feelings about it he is really hard on her and really mad at her still all these years later and you realize that he's really upset because he's still in love with her right yeah So the book is really about how they navigate this scandal together and how they find their way back to each other after all these years apart. Um, It's been seven years since they broke up. So they've both grown and changed a lot and they've been through a lot. And um, as with everything I've read by Reese Ryan, it was truly a delight i will go back and read the rest of the series um and yeah i love a sports romance i'm a sucker for a sports romance so this was perfect for me um and i love a second chance romance too so this was so so wonderful so many tropes like second chance sports (laughs) yes um them having to work together leads into like close force proximity 
Oh, uh, there is lots of forced lot. proximity. Yes. I loved a project. It. I love a project. Mm-hmm. Like we got to mm-hmm. fix you. Yep. I know. Love kind it. of like a reformed bad boy situation a little bit. I mean, just every time a new trope pop, trope popped up, I'm like clapping my hands. I'm so excited. I'm yes. like, keep them coming, Reese. Bring them on. But yeah, I would highly recommend this. And um, when I got it, it still might be. It was one ninety nine on. Um, you could buy it on Amazon Kindle. So okay. check it out, um, Reese. If you're listening, I love you. Thank you for saving my reading this year. But thank you, <laughs> Reese Ryan, for showing up yet again. Yes, <laughs> she kills it every time. She kills it every time. She's so good. Okay, Nadia, what did you read? Um, so I was going through my Libby app, like God bless my Libby app, because yes. they really have a lot to to offer. So I'm absolutely in my billionaire phase, right? If if it has a billionaire in it, I will read it. Like okay. that, <laughs> I'm not mad at it at all. That is definitely my thing. So I came across this book called Tempting the Billionaire by uh, Niobia Bryant. Yes. And so basically you have this self-made billionaire named Chance, and he is suing his ex-fiance for her parts in the breakup of their million-dollar wedding. And so he hires this lawyer um, named Nosy, and they are having to work together on this case and there's a lot of attraction going on. They are, they kind of run it within the same circles and it's in the Dominican Republic. And so it's, when I say there's so many like close proximity, um, like new love, you know, workplace romance, it's, it's great. It is great. (laughs) Um, I really enjoyed the, I think I just fell in love with the premise of the book. Automatically, as soon as I saw the cover, I'm just like, yep, yep, absolutely. Um, it's, it does uh, jump into the story right away. And it's a very, you know, it's not, it's not very long. It's maybe like 300 pages. But I loved how it was very detailed with every single page. The conversations were very mature they really didn't you know play play around with any small talk they just kind of got right to it right um but the one thing that was sort of hindering the story um no she's an attorney and she said I will never you know get involved with a client and he walks in chance walks in and she's instantly attracted to him and she's just like well there goes that, that. Goes out the window <laughs> and so and I I love that I love that that instant attraction like you you're attracted but you're just like and eh, this goes against everything I believe in but I, I love that kind of trope so I enjoyed it I, I enjoyed it for my first for my first uh Kamani romance it was it was pretty good it was pretty good I definitely look forward to to more like that yes Yes. And Niobia is another Desire author that I hope we see more titles from her pop up somewhere else. Please, Niobia, if you ever listen to this, please do. Um, Angela, what did you read? Okay, first of all, I am fangirling of Nadia and Dory. Um, oh my goodness, I am totally a fan. You know how you have like some authors where it was like if if they write it, I'm I'm reading it or what have you. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So and when Dory was talking, I was super duper fangirling over Reese Ryan. I am totally a Reese <laughs> Ryan fan. Yes. Oh my goodness, I have read so many of Reese Ryan books, just amazing. Um, but I actually, y'all probably can guess who I uh, I read, but I actually read Jacqueline Thomas. Oh my goodness. I Yay. loved her Kimani books. And the funny thing about it is that she had, one of the series that she had was um, the Alexanders of Beverly Hill. And um, I read the entire series, but I realized that I didn't read book two. I was like, oh my goodness. So hey girl, I- Girl, how do you skip the second book? Out of the five, <laughs> right, out of the five. I'm like, how did I miss book two? I've read all the books in it or what have you. So I went back and grabbed that one um, and it was um, amazing. Basically, uh, the story is uh, one of the daughters um, and they have what 
uh, they have the Alexander DePaul Hotel, and it, they actually inherited this hotel where in book one, uh, the father, well, their father finds out that the owner of this estate is really his dad, if that makes sense. And he leaves them, you know, this huge estate or what have you. So of course, you know, they have children. So each one of the children gets, you know, gets their own story. Um, So this is Sage's story. And uh, Sage is um, getting ready to be 30 and she's single, um, but she kind of, you know, wants to get married. She wants to have a family or what have you. And so there is this, um, he is this investigative uh, reporter. And so he writes these stories for um, this um, for this newspaper, but his identity is constant. Like he writes under a pen name, uh, but just his writing gets under her skin, right? <laughs> so he's working on this piece about the uh, homeless people that's in the LA area, all of this good stuff or what have you. And so he also ties it to, you know, people, families of wealth and all this stuff or what have you. So he goes undercover as a homeless person. And, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, guess who? <laughs> like, guess who Sage run into, right? <laughs> um, she <laughs> runs into him. And okay, let me just tell you that the chemistry was definitely, you know, there or what have you. So she like gives him a job and, you know, all this good stuff, but she starts catching feelings and he starts catching feelings for her too. But he's like, Oh my goodness, you know, I'm really feeling her, but I don't know if it's going to be the same when she finds out that I have really been lying to her because I'm really this investigative reporter doing this story um, or what have you. And so Anyway, it was just really, really good. I enjoyed reading it, and I it actually brought me back into uh, that whole um, Alexander's of Beverly Hill because, like I said, the whole series is just like amazing. But I was like, wow, how did I miss book two? Her story, um, or what have you? But I just really, really um, in, in enjoyed it. <laughs> that sounds delightful. I know. I'm so here for that. <laughs> I love an undercover. Okay. Yes. Um, yes. Me too. <laughs> And, and it's like the plot thickens because you, you it's like, you know, I was like, man, when she finds out like who he really is, <laughs> right. especially when they was like catching feelings, you know, for each other um, or what have you was just like um, uh, amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> Love it. I read a Brenda Jackson, which Miss Brenda had, I believe, the very first book in the Kamani line. So, you know, it's it's Miss Brenda. Um, they came I read, out swinging. I love yeah. that. Um, I read Bachelor Undone, and it's actually the third book in her Bachelors in Demand series. I was like, you know what? It's June. I wanted something. I wanted something beachy, and this literally has the beach on the cover. So I was like, that's what we're going with. Thank you, Miss Brenda. Back in the day, um, this is the romance between Darcy and York, and they hate each other. Okay, so uh, <laughs> Darcy is like a she lives in she goes to Jamaica from New York. Uh, she's a city planner. And when she gets there, she's just wanting to like chill out, let loose, have a good time and uh, potentially, you know, meet the man of her fantasies. And she does. But it's York. And again, they already know each other. She can't stand him. <laughs> she's so mean to him. It's so funny. Um, but she finds herself like he's like an ex cop, like still does kind of like some security stuff on the side. And he's there investigating because they're like they're shooting a movie and there's like word on the street is like somebody on the inside is like smuggling footage off the set, like doing some shysty stuff. And he's trying to figure out who it is and why. And then uh, Darcy gets there. This guy on the set kind of like really takes to her and wants to show her around L long like she finds herself caught up in some mess that she had no idea she was going to be like part of and at first she's like you're just a hater like you know you don't want to see me out with this other guy like leave me alone mind your business do your thing like he has nothing to do with it like I'm not caught up in anything and he's like you just really need to be careful because something shady is going on here kind of thing and and so it's it's them like it's it's in enemies to lovers and what I think she just brilliantly like did is like if they would have never met in Jamaica, they probably would have continued to hate each other, but it's almost like you, you have to be taken out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I feel like for them to have realized like you're not so bad. Um, <laughs> and when they fall 
they fall really hard. And it's like all of a sudden, like just seeing that person in a different light, like, you know, you're you're not as bad of a person as I thought you was. But it was still really funny to see Darcy be so tough on him. She's like, you know, she Miss Brenda, like grew up with like tons of male cousins. So her I feel like a lot of her heroines had like a bunch of brothers or male cousins as well. And that kind of like toughens them up a little bit. So she does not take it easy on York. And I just, I loved their dynamic. Um, and of course, like he's just totally smitten with her, which is so cute to see like this big, tough security guy. Um, so yeah, that's the third book in the series. Like y'all who kind of just jumped in. I'm like, yeah, I need to go read the previous two. And I did read mine off of Libby. A lot of Miss Brenda's stuff is available on audio. So I listened to it on audio. It's like five hours, but I finished it in like two because the narration's just so easy to follow. And I was so immersed. I was like, I just, I'm not doing anything until I finish this book. So uh, I loved it. So y'all, thank you guys for reading with me this month. This was amazing. This was (laughs) so fun. Thank you for introducing me to Kamani. Yes. Y'all have to like hit me up and be like, girl, this is what I'm reading next. Um, Dory, let's start with you. Tell us where everybody can keep up with you online and you better plug all the feels too. (laughs) You can follow me on Instagram at Dory Benford. You can follow me on Twitter at all the feels pod. I have a Hallmark podcast. Um, We run during the holidays watching all of the um, Hallmark holiday movies, um, but we also released an episode um, last week. So yes. yes, we usually take a very long hiatus, um, but yeah, we are back in the game a little bit, dipping a toe in. So please check us out. I also, this is going to drive me crazy, so I have to correct myself. I told you that the word sepia was pronounced sepia and it is driving me crazy it's been driving me crazy the past hour it's sepia so little grammar check for myself sorry about that thank you sepia i had to i had to you know i couldn't let the grammar go couldn't let it go somebody would have somebody would have came for me somebody would have come for us and i'm not having that (laughs) nadia where can everybody keep up with you um, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Nadia's Bookish World 86. And I also have a YouTube channel by the same name. So you can catch me, follow, you know, posting all the books, all the TV recs, all the things. And Angela? Yes. Oh, and I want to make a correction. Look, I got so excited talking about the book. I don't know if I gave you guys the title, but it's called Five Star Temptation. um, And it's the Alexanders of Beverly Hills um, series. And it's book two. So I wanted to put that out there. So in case people are looking for it, they have the title of it. Um, You can follow me um, on social media. I am on Instagram and Facebook as Angela Anderson Presents. Um, I am also on um, TikTok as Angela Anderson. um, And I have a YouTube channel, um, Angela Anderson's YouTube channel. I have a literary cafe, um, which is a 30-minute author interview show, as well as a literary tea, um, which is an hour-long um, book discussion. Um, is where you can follow me. You can find me on my website at um, AngelaAndersonPresents.com. You all are awesome. I appreciate this so much. And and just, yeah, thank you for reading Kamani with me. You all will have to come back. I will find a reason to gather you all up again, and we'll do this again. Absolutely. Thank yes, you. Absolutely. This was so fun. <laughs> yes.